Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Just me today, sports fans. Sean Palmer on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Seth is on his way back to cold New York from Florida, where he and the family were spending a well-deserved vacation. I'm here at 60 degrees in Atlanta. Yeah, it's still 60 degrees. We're supposed to get a little bit of rain this week, uh, towards the end of the week, and then throughout all next week, it's supposed to rain as well. And the unfortunate part for me is that when I moved down here in March, as you all know, I traded in the very cold weather of New York for the somewhat warm weather of Atlanta. And in part, I saved a ton of money, not just going to Geico. I saved a ton of money when you move out of the big city into Atlanta. And part of that, how do I say, savings was so I would be able to buy a new car. And thus I did. Uh, This week I bought myself a 2018 Audi A5 Cabriolet. Yes, I now have a convertible. And yesterday I went with the top down in 60 degree weather. I had my Syracuse sweatshirt on. I was in heaven. have to tell you, January, top down, didn't even need the heat on. Yeah, that, ladies and gentlemen, that, my friends, is living. It really is. So anyway, uh, so I am by myself today. If you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. I know you don't want me talking for a full hour, but I'm happy to do it. Normally, we have this nice little repartee between myself and Seth, but unfortunately, that is not the case. And... We'll talk about what happened this past weekend, and we're going to talk towards the end of the the middle of the hour, about 5.30, about what happened this past weekend. And hopefully our buddy Zach, Zach, we're we're, we're waiting for you, buddy. The 24-point victory that you proclaimed last week would happen for your New Orleans Saints. 24 points, you said. I did give you some caution. I said that the defensive line for the Saints was not as good as you once thought it was. Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Davenport hurt. I think you were taking it a little bit on the hit with the Minnesota defensive line. Didn't think that they had the goods. Kirk Cousins didn't have the goods. Well, and again, we'll talk about that around 530. And we'll talk about whether Tom is... And up in the nursery and upstairs, little bird is popping 
after he tried to put a copyright on what is appropriately known as Tom Seaver being Tom Terrific, is now sitting at home. And again, five there. But what happened today? What happened in the NFL today that made me very happy? And there are lots of reasons to be happy with the NFL right now. There's four exciting games that took place last weekend, four exciting games that are taking place this weekend. But, of course, it's so nice that on the day that I have to host a show, and certainly a day that I have to host a show alone, coaches get jobs. First, we had Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera signs on in D.C., and we all knew that. We all knew that was going to happen. I think the hire is one that is tremendous. I think if Daniel Snyder, first of all, they got rid of Bruce Allen. So Rivera's got a ton of power there. Rivera is a very good coach. He's a defensive guy. But it means probably Trent Williams comes back because Bruce Allen isn't there. They will probably take Chase Young with the second pick in the draft, the defensive end out of Ohio State. And Trent Williams they don't have to worry about a left tackle. He comes back because his, the two guys that he didn't like were Bruce Allen and the trainer. And the trainer's gone. Ron Rivera brings in his own trainer. So not only do the Redskins get rid of the guys that were causing them problems, they probably bring back into the fold guys that will help them. So I love the signing. I love the addition of Ron Rivera. So now let's move on to their a NFC East brethren. And there were two other teams that needed coaches. One, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys fought, well, not fired, but kind of said so long farewell to Jason Garrett. After, I don't know, almost a decade, if not more than a decade, of being a coach or an assistant coach. And they move on to Mike McCarthy. And I think this is a good play for them. I said this last week on the show. Mike McCarthy has the exact same record. Not exact, but within a game or two of the record that Sean Payton does. Mike McCarthy is a really, really good coach. I mean, a really good coach. So here we are. We are looking at what McCarthy could do for that team. And the Cowboys are the one team, the one team, and I think even more than the Browns, and the Browns don't have a coach yet, but I think they are the team that has the most talent, the talent today. Certainly on the defensive side of the ball, offensively, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel, Zach Martin, 
they, Dak Prescott, they have enough talent to win today. The Giants are not going to win today. The Panthers are not going to win today. The Redskins are not going to win today. They are all in rebuild. The Browns, who knows what the Browns are ever going to be? Well, in all likelihood, probably not today. Maybe tomorrow, but probably not today. So here we are. We're at the point where Mike McCarthy signs on for the Reds, for the Cowboys. And I, again, I think that's a great deal. I think fantastic for them. I think he was the right signing for them. Now if Jerry would just stop being the GM, things would be a whole lot better. And I think with the signing of McCarthy, that may actually happen. He may cede a little bit of control. Again, love the McCarthy sign. Now let's go on to the Panthers. The Panthers get Matt Rule. And for those that follow the show, they knew that I wanted Matt Rule last year for the Jets. I think this guy is a good coach. He resurrected the Temple program. He resurrected the Baylor program. Would I have signed him to a six-year, six, six years, potentially $60 million contract? Resetting the market, Dave Tepper. Dave Tepper buys the Carolina Panthers and then resets the market for coaches at almost $10 million per year for a guy that has never been the head coach in the NFL. Is this the guy that you set the table with? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He knows he has time. And I know that Dave Tepper did not want Matt Rule getting on the plane for the Giants because he, after he got this six-year contract, Rule reportedly called the Giants to give him the opportunity to match. So he wanted the Giants' job. But who can turn down almost $10 million per year to coach? Certainly not Matt Rule. So he comes to the Panthers. The one thing that this contract gives him is time. It's kind of like the John Gruden contract, which was – or the John Lynch contract and Kyle Shanahan combination in San Francisco. I believe they each got seven-year deals, six- or seven-year deals. It means that Tepper understands he needs continuity. He needs some continuity. And he also needs to give these guys some time. Okay, we have a call. I have a feeling this is our friend, Zach. Hello? You're on with Sean. Oh, my goodness, Sean. How are you? This is Zach. Yeah, I kind of figured it was our friend. How you doing, buddy? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to recover right now. I, uh, I made a big mistake last week. Well, I, get, I give you some credit for calling in and, and eating your crow. I do. Um, thanks. Thanks for calling back in. We, we gave you a little bit, we, we gave you some, eh, a little here, a little there earlier in the show, but you got to give it up to the Vikings. They played a really good game. They played a good game. They got lucky. Latimer got injured. I'm, I'm moving on. I lost 
thousands of dollars last week. Today I'm talking about the Tennessee Titans and, and Vrabel and Tannehill and the dismantling of Harbaugh's Ravens this coming week. This is the game, my friends. This is the game. They, and, and I just want to make two points real quick. I want to make two points real quick. It's nine, it's, yep. it's, uh, nine points given to the Titans. Um, Derrick yep. Henry is arguably the most phenomenal running back in the game. He's going to tear them up for 150 yards. But I think you have to look at the play action of Tannehill. And he was put in that position for a reason. Okay, he had he, six years, $95 million extension with the Dolphins. He moves to Tennessee, takes over the starting job, uh, throws 26 touchdown passes. The guy's phenomenal. If he connects with A.J. Brown this weekend, this is going to be a game, my friend. Well, let me ask you this. How many rushers do you think the Ravens have let off for 100 yards this year? I'm going to say maybe two teams. Well, I'm trying to – I'm looking at it right now. So, week one, none. Week two, not. Week three, not. They let up Nick Chubb in week four. So, that's one. Nothing, 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 nothing. Raheem Moser in week 13. So, that's two. They have let up two 100-yard rushers all year. All year. We are talking about I, elite here. We're talking about an elite I, player. I, We're talking about Derrick I, Henry. I get. I am. I am Derrick Henry, who who last year would have been shot for a second-round pick. I do understand what Derrick Henry has done in the last 16 games. I look. Seth and I had him on our fantasy league team this year. Nobody. Push the push the limits more than Derrick Henry to the point he of won me my after league. the game. The guy won me my league after the game. After the game this week, right. Seth texted me. I guess we're keeping Henry. Like there was a doubt, but that was look. There was a text, but the fact is, if you are the Ravens, you are selling out to stop Henry. You are. You're, there's no way around it. You are selling out to stop Henry. You are leaving your corners, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, the all pros on an island, and saying to Ryan Tannehill, the one thing that Ryan Tannehill does not do well, which is sit in the pocket and throw. He is ext- you are okay. 100% correct. You are 100% correct. He is great at play action. You are 100% correct. He is He's great on the run. Mm-hmm. The one thing he is not good, and, he sh- and that's the reason he's not in Miami anymore, is when there is no running game, he is not a good in-the-pocket passer. And Sean, can, can you I answer one that... thing for me? Sure. I'm, and I'm sorry to I'll cut you off got. here. No, what, what, was Bill Belichick able to do it? Was, was Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick able, able to, to stop him? Was he able to stop no, the Tennessee the... Titans? No, he wasn't. No, but I don't think the no, and I don't think the Patriots defense, their front seven is as good as the Ravens. I think their back is, but not the front. The front Lamar seven Jackson Ravens, hasn't I played think. a game since December twenty second. He hasn't on, played not, and, and I know we're, we're talking you are talking two different arguments here, my friend. You're now talking right, about the offense. Right. I mean you're you're, you're right. now talking about the offense. Okay? 
okay. what Lamar Jackson does on the offense. And look, truth be told, if Mark Ingram, who did not practice today, does not play in that game, I think you may be right. Eight and a half points is a lot of points to give without your starting running back. Hundred percent. But I'm looking at an upset. I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm looking at an upset here. I'm looking at money line. Well, this is an upset game. I think you've got Titans on the road. They've got nothing to lose. Tannehill is as sharp as ever. I think he needs to connect with AJ Brown. And I look at him, and the guy is a dynamite receiver. He's got speed. He he's got versatility in in his movements across the field. I I, I love him. I think he's he's an outstanding receiver. I I do not disagree with you. I think the defense that you're playing with Peters and Humphrey are the best two corners in the league as far as a as far as team defense. You are playing the best combination of two corners in the league. And if if you have a quarterback that does not throw well in the pocket, this is a bad matchup for their offense. Not saying it's an impossible matchup, but it is a it, they would have been better playing the Pats than they were playing here. So, and they did. So, there you wow. go. So, Zach, how about you call back next week? Do you have a prediction for the NFC? How about the Vikings game? Do you have a prediction for the Vikings uh, game? I'm not going to touch that one, but I love the Seahawks <laughs> in, in Green Bay. I love it. Okay. And we'll talk more uh, about I, that next week. Absolutely. Thanks again for calling in, Zach. Appreciate it. Thank you so have much. Have a great week. Be well. All right, today. All right, well, that was, our, that was Zach, our resident better. Now, if we had, uh, I remember watching Don, uh, listening to Don Imus, and this is what betting was not allowed. And unfortunately, Don Imus passed away a couple of weeks ago. A really a memory of my childhood was Don Imus, and he got into a lot of trouble for, for things he shouldn't have said. I mean, he was a little outdated. But when he was a kid, when I was a kid, he would have impressions. Everything was done in impression. And if you saw Private Parts, the movie, Howard Stern once said, we don't do impressions here. Well, I think it was Cardinal O'Connor who had the lottery numbers. He did an impression of Cardinal O'Connor because you were not supposed to promote betting. Betting was not a promotable thing. And Cardinal O'Connor would do the lottery numbers. He'd do some predictions. And here we are, what, 30 years later, and I would like to say that Zach is our resident gambler. I think it's a, not a degenerative gambler, just a resident gambler. If we're going to have a talk on betting lines and spreads, we hope that Zach calls in every week and talks about this because that, Seth and I would absolutely love the conversation. So, again, Zach, thanks for calling in. If anybody else would like to call in, you've got 40 minutes to do so, 760-283-0846. We were talking about Matt Rule and being – um, hired by Carolina before Zach called. And again, <clears throat> this buys him time. The six-year, seven-year contracts absolutely buy him time. I think that's what Tepper is trying to do. He's trying to create a Steeler-like mentality where patience is a virtue. And speaking of patience, the one team that used to have so much of it, the team that had Ray Hanley, I, I say that in jest. But Ray Hanley got three years, I believe, as a coach. 
the team that had Ben McAdoo and now fires Pat Shermer after two years, signs, hires Joe Judge. Now, you ask me, and Seth actually called me up today or texted me and said, who is this guy? And remarkably, Seth, the Giants fan, didn't know who he was. Well, Joe Judge, is it Joe? I'm, 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 I'm bad on the last on the first name. So hold on a second. I'm going to get the first. Yeah, Joe Judge. So Joe Judge is going to pick his own staff. By the way, Jason Garrett, according to reports, the Giants had requested permission to interview him for the head coaching and then for the coordinator position. But that's not going to happen. So Jason Garrett out in Dallas, but not coming. Not coming to the Giants. So the point being that Jason, that Joe Judge is now going to be the coach of the New York Giants. And Joe Judge is the former special teams coach of the New England Patriots. And when you say, how can a special teams coach be a good head coach? I mean, he doesn't play the offense. He doesn't play the defense. You're, you're absolutely right. He plays them both. I think this is a tremendous hire. I think this is out-of-the-box hire. He coached the receivers for New England he's in two, this past year. He's 38 years old. He, he coached under Nick Saban for three years before joining the Patriots. This is a good hire. A special teams coach as John Harbaugh has shown, can do it. He needs to be an overall manager of a situation, not just offense, not just defense, an overall manager. You get a special teams coach that will hire a good offensive coordinator and then hire a good defensive coordinator and let them do their jobs This is a good hire. It's an out-of-the-box hire, and I think it's tremendous. So we've gone through all the coaching, and there's one coaching job left, and that's in Cleveland. And there are a couple of guys that you haven't heard from. They haven't heard from Kevin Stepanski, who did a masterful job against Zach Saints this past weekend while being the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. You have Josh McDaniels, who, coming from New England. Now, I believe I predicted him getting the Cleveland job, so I'm, I'm still on board there. The one thing I didn't predict is that John Dorsey has, has left the building. And the one thing that Seth predicted was that Houston would, would fire Bill O'Brien. Whether or not, the Texans win this game this weekend against Kansas City. I'm not sure Bill O'Brien's going anywhere after they just beat the Bills. So if Bill O'Brien's staying, does Josh McDaniel go, excuse me, Josh McDaniels go to, go to uh, Cleveland along with the GM for New England, and I can't remember the guy's name, Nick, uh, 
Darn it. I can't remember his name. Come on. Mix something or another. Trying to find his name. Trying to find his name. Trying to find his name. Okay. Why can I not find this guy's name? Darn it. Oh, well. I will try and find his name. Texans. Oh, there it is. Nick Cassero. Nick Cassero. So it's a matter of will he bring Nick Cassero, who last year was not given permission to go to the Texans, but this but this year is a free agent. So will Cassero and McDaniels be a combination move to Cleveland? With John Dorsey now out, this is actually the perfect way for him to do this. So the point is, is that the place where McDaniels winds up? If you'd like to call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846, minutes to go. I'm going to try and make it the whole way, but we'll see. I mean, look, it's just me today. And thanks to Zach, if you'd like to call in, please do. Um, all right, so let's go back to last week and what happened. Man, I love Josh Allen. I really, and not the defensive end of defensive end slash linebacker hybrid of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but rather the quarterback of the Bills. And again, if you have been a fan of the program, you know two years ago this was my guy. This was the guy out of Wyoming. This is the guy I wanted. This is the guy I wanted on draft day for the Jets. This is the guy I wanted for a year for the Jets. I didn't care if they picked him first, picked him second, picked him eighth. I wanted Josh Allen. And you saw on this past weekend why I wanted Josh Allen. This guy can make every single throw. He can do the route tree. He's got the arm. He's got the legs. This guy is going to be a phenomenal quarterback. He just needs to learn. He just needs time. And the one thing that time teaches you is when to make those throws, when to throw the ball away, and when to just duck and cover. And the issue that Josh Allen had in this past weekend was that he did not know which of the three to do in the fourth quarter. He took a couple of sacks. He threw an an intentional grounding when he could have just thrown the ball away and cost the Bills the game. I really think he cost the Bills the game, but that's okay. Because when you're in your second year, you can cost the team a victory because you're going to come back. And he is. This is the guy I wanted. Congratulations to Bill O'Brien and the Texans. You got away with one, and you get to move on to Kansas City, where I think you are going to be blown to smithereens. I don't even think this game's going to be close. Not at all. This is a Chiefs-dominating game. Again, if you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846. 760-283-0846. Let's move on to Zach's game. Zach's game's talking about Baltimore. We just talked about this, Baltimore and the Titans. Zach has this Baltimore uh, going down in an upset. 
for all the reasons that I told Zach, I can't see it. Yes, Tannehill is a great passer when it's play action, when he has that running game. That, my friends, is the reason why he was not able to succeed in Miami. He didn't have the running game. Kenyon Drake was not doing what Kenyon Drake does now. He did not have a running game. He was not able to play action pass. Remember, Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college and moved to quarterback. So, yeah, no, not going to happen. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey going to shut A.J. Brown and whoever else you want to put out there down. And Baltimore wins in a, in a cakewalk. I really think that. I think they hold Henry to 75 yards, and they win emphatically. So let's move on. I think, I think Zach is right in one point. I think that Seattle does take down Green Bay in Green Bay. Seattle played a phenomenal game this past weekend with extremely tough circumstances. DK Metcalf proved that he is an up-and-coming star in this league, and probably, as we discussed, as I discussed with Zach, we will be protecting Derrick Henry, which means that we need to not protect somebody else, and that will likely be Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett, ladies and gentlemen, is one of my favorite players in the NFL for everything that he does. But if Metcalf's going to be that guy, if Metcalf is proving to be that guy, that means less reps, less catches, less targets for Lockett. And I think the three, and, and Seth and I will obviously converse about this, will be Godwin, Connor, and Henry for next year. But that's for another day. So Seattle goes off to Green Bay. Uh, Zach, I agree with you. I think Seattle takes this one. And then we go San Francisco and Minnesota. I don't know. I mean, really, could Minnesota go in there and beat the 49ers with a healthy Dalvin Cook? With Kirk Cousins throwing the way that he did? with a healthy Adam Thielen, who they haven't had all year. Yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take that back. I think, I think you got two upsets. Minnesota plays at home in the NFC Championship game against Seattle. Both underdogs win in the NFC on the road this week, which gives you both, which gives you both in the AFC are the favorites, and both underdogs in the NFC. You heard it here. Look, I, I've been so wrong on predictions my entire year that you hear and you hear doesn't really do anything for you. But let's take it for what I believe that they will win. And it looks like our buddy Seth has called in. Seth, sorry for, sorry for making you wait on hold. What's up, everybody? Sorry, I'm Dad. calling from uh, I'm calling from Fort Lauderdale Airport as I wait for uh, wait for the flight home back to from 80 degree Boca Raton to 35 degree uh, Newark. Can't wait. Well, we we're, we're, we're saying that before, and Seth uh, Zach did call in. Uh, he 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 cried. He had some crow. 
that he could talk about. He picked Seattle over Green Bay. I concurred. But he also picked Baltimore losing to Tennessee, and I don't see that at all. I think Tennessee covers. I don't think they win. I think the problem for Tennessee to win, they have to go up 14 nothing early. They're not a come-from-behind team, and I don't see them doing that in Baltimore. Um, you know, they're, as we saw on Saturday night, they are a grind, pounded out, let's run, let's run, let's run, let's throw a play action. But, I mean, hell, Tannehill threw for less than 100 yards. Um, so, literally, you are going to pound Derrick Henry into the ground, which is what they should do. And especially in a very low-scoring kind of game, you know, 10-7, 13-7, in this case, 14-13, really, to the last play of the game, you know, that was successful. Baltimore was such a unique style. I think it's going to be hard for Tennessee to contain them. You, have, you don't really have to worry about the wideouts as much. Hollywood Brown hasn't done a hell of a lot. You know, he's had a couple of big plays, but he hasn't had consistency. But the tight ends with Hurst and Andrews have been great. The running game is what it is, and obviously Lamar Jackson's game is fake. So I, I, I think it's relatively close. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think it's, ten, it's, I think it's Baltimore by somewhere between 6 and 10. Well, I picked both underdogs in the NFC and both uh, favorites in the AFC to win the games. And I think you have an NFC championship game of Minnesota at home against Seattle, which I think is Why a would phenomenal Minnesota's game. The, wait, wait, wait. Minnesota's the 60. Why would they be at home? Oh, I thought they were the 5. Oh, you're right. No, New Orleans is three. Sorry, sorry. You're right. So it would be Seattle versus Minnesota in Seattle. Okay. Still the same game. Yeah. <laughs> just just, just, and let me put it this way. I will now change my appearance. I said if Minnesota was playing at home, I thought that they would win the NFC Championship game. I will now flip that and say that Seattle will beat Minnesota in the NFC Championship game in Seattle. I agree with you on one of the two. I don't think San Francisco has been the same team the last six weeks. I'm not sold on their running game. I'm not sold on, you know, as good as Debo has been and George Kittle is George Kittle. Their defense hasn't been as good. We saw the Rams light them up for 30-something. We've seen a couple other plays. I think they're a year away. I kind of like Minnesota. Um, I thought they were brilliant against New Orleans. And luck or no luck at the end, and I don't think it was – I honestly don't think it was an interference call. Um, I, would, I would lean towards Minnesota. On a money line bet, um, I don't know what the spread is. Green Bay, Seattle. The problem I have, I have to me, this is the hardest game. To, I think Kansas City beats the heck out of Houston. I'll be honest. I, I, I think that's the least interesting of the, the least close of the four games. I still um, think Bill O'Brien but, keeps his job, though. Bill O'Brien still keeps his say? job based on last week. I thought I thought Houston got extraordinarily lucky to win that game, and I, I, we had said that originally. Matter. I thought whoever won Kansas City, you know, whoever played the winner of Tennessee of Houston Baltimore or Houston Buffalo, would have an easy run to the final. 
I don't, I, my, my thought process hasn't changed. Um, Seattle Green Bay is a, is a toss up. I, I don't, I can't read Green Bay. You know, Seattle, I know what I'm getting. You know, I'm on my number four running back, my number five running back, whatever the heck it is. But, you know, they're going to play the same. And as you stated, you're, and you're absolutely correct. You know, most likely, you know, Tyler Lockett, who's been a, you know, has been one of our studs for years. You know, I, I don't think we protect I, I, with, with the emergence of DK Metcalf. But Green Bay has somehow found ways to win games, you know, led by Aaron Jones. And the thing is, Seattle's on their number four running back. You know, Aaron Jones has been, for all intents and purposes, a top five running back this year. Rodgers has not played a Rodgers season, but he hasn't had to. I'm going to very narrowly pick Green Bay. And I have Green Bay, Minnesota in the uh, conference final. And that and that's fair. And I, I think that both of those are extraordinarily good games. I think Green Bay, Minnesota is the rivalry game of all rivalry games, right? I mean, that is a tremendous NFC championship game, even in Green Bay. Um, yeah, so while I have you on, you, you gave me a question earlier of who is Joe Judge? Now that you've had a couple of hours to actually ruminate about this, what is your feeling on the hire? My feeling is this. They weren't going to give Matt Rule $60 million over seven years, nor should they have. I really like Chris Richard from Dallas. I, I really hope he gets the job in the next, if it wasn't for the Giants in the next year or so. Um, I didn't have a great need for Mike McCarthy. If they liked, if they liked Judge more than they liked our enemy, yeah. Okay. You know, I guess any guy who's coached under both Saban and Belichick, I have to give at least some, I got to give some credibility to. So, you know, am I enthralled by it? No. But it's not a great situation either. So this is, this is what we're playing with. Well, Interesting. Use the term. Uh, use the name Eric Bieniemy. I think if Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl, he retires. And if Andy Reid retires, I think Eric Bieniemy gets the job. Oh, if, if, so I agree. if Andy Reid retires, Eric Bieniemy does get the job. But do you think I don't that think if, if he wins, he retires? Do you think he wins the Super Bowl? Yeah, if he wins the Super Bowl, I think he retires. I, I think not he's what done. I asked. I said, okay, I do too. Well, so I would I, take I would take the Chiefs over any team right now, other than the Ravens. So, uh, and I would take the Chiefs. I over mean, the Ravens. okay, then you think that? The, so, in your mind, you believe that the Chiefs are the favorite for the Super Bowl? Yes. Okay. And no, I don't think this is in the enemy's mind that I'll wait till Andy Reid retires, but he always has that backdrop that he would get probably get that job if it occurs. And I agree. Uh, th- 
there, there was a good conversation or at least an article on Pro Football Talk today, and it's my number one source, as, as anybody that listens to the show knows, is that the Rooney, real, the Rooney rule does not work <laughs> at all. It's a farce. It's been a farce. It continues to be a farce. When you see that Marvin Lewis was, was interviewed in Dallas before Mike McCarthy, did you actually think that Marvin Lewis had any shot of getting that job? I was more stunned that Marvin Lewis got the interview. It never even occurred to me he would have been a really legitimate candidate. That's the point, right? But Chris Richard didn't get an interview. Marvin Lewis got an interview. You look at you look at Carolina and who got interviewed. Perry Felwell got an interview. I'm not first. It's definitely not working the way it was designed to work. If anything, it's working as a token than anything else. And I think that they have to revisit the Rooney Rule. I'm not exactly sure how you go about fixing it. But the problem is, how do you force that? What do you, what what can you do? You can't make somebody hire someone. The only thing I don't disagree that the results have not been what was anticipated or what was hoped for. But what exactly do you you can't make somebody hire someone? So I don't know at the end of the day how you can make it better. You know, Dave, you know, people are saying, why Matt Rule? Well, because you know what? The number one college candidate to go pro pretty much just said he doesn't want to go pro. That's David Shaw. You know, he would get a job probably in a year if he wanted it. But he's said all along he's happy at Stanford. So, look, I agree that the hiring is abysmal, but I don't know how you can. You can never force someone to hire somebody, regardless of what are you going to do? You're going to make it advantageous. You're going to give them an extra draft pick. Can't do that. That's insane. It's almost an affirmative action argument. You, okay, you so, can't... Let, so let's play. Okay, so hold on a second. But you're high. You are. You are interviewing. The reason that the Rooney Rule came into effect is, or in part, is because because Dan Rooney, by having, by interviewing a younger Mike Tomlin, who nobody had ever heard of, he was so enthralled with him. I mean, this is this is the story, right? He was so enthralled with him right. that he hired him over anybody else because he had no idea who Mike Tomlin was until he got him into the damn interview room. You know who Marvin Lewis is before you get him into the interview room. You know who Perry Fellwell is before you get him into the interview room. Is there a way that you can limit it that to guys that either ha- are under a certain age? I mean, I get the fact that they no, are in age discrimination problems. discriminatory based on age. You can't. 
I'm trying The problem is you have 32 white owners that are that are most of them in their 60s and 70s. Yeah, I don't think. To, and some of them I don't think purposely it's in it's in play, but subconsciously it probably is. So you know, if you had owners, you know, owners in their forties, I would think for the most part it's relatively not. It's a relative non non entity. It's, it's 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 not has no impact. But you can't. The problem is you can't mandate people to hire. You never could. And look, I would be very happy if Eric Bieniemy got a job, and very happy if Chris Richard got a job as a head coach. But you also don't have too many. I think you almost have to take a step back. You don't have you don't have that many black offensive coordinators. If you go through go through the who, who, you have four or five of them. Yep. Typically, who's hired? That's either college coaches, where there's very few, or offensive coordinators, where there's very few. So until you get them to that level, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard play. Every once in a while, you're going to get the Tomlin or the Rivera, you know, who's not black but Hispanic. But the idea is the same. But it's you're not going. It's not the default. Until it's a systemic default. problem. Hold on, hold on. But this is a systemic problem. So Eric Bieniemy is a strange leap in that a running back is an offensive coordinator, right? Who are normally the offensive coordinators? The quarterback. Right. Are quarterbacks normally African American, Latino, or white? Up until recently, they've only been white. So yeah. you you can't so it's it just flows downward, right? Because if you can't get to if if an owner only wants the newest offensive genius, but the newest offensive genius is only white to begin with, then it just flows to be systemic. It's a systemic problem flowing from the start. So the only way that you get past that is you have African American quarterbacks. Now there are more and more of those right now. But the issue that you're going to have, at least I see it at this point, is that NFL players are not going to want to be coaches anymore. It used to be that it used to be that you didn't earn money, enough money to set you up for life. You think Russell Wilson's going to want to be a coach? No. You think Lamar Jackson's going to want to be a coach? You think Peyton Manning wants to be a coach or even Eli Manning wants to be a coach? If anything, they want to be owners. They don't want to be coaches. So you have an offensive mastermind that is now the backup quarterback, right? And how many backup quarterbacks are African-American? I can only think of one. Who's the one? And that's Robert Griffin oh, Robert, III. Robert, RG3. That's it. Can't think of another one. Yeah, it's just... Um, Teddy Bridgewater. 
Oh, and Tyrod Taylor, the three. Speaking of Tyrod Taylor, okay, well, this is a great segue. We've got 13 minutes left, and I don't know what time your flight is and how long you have. But speaking of Tyrod Taylor, it's Tom, Tom Brady ended 20 years with New England after this past weekend. Is he the quarterback next year for that team? I mean, look, we're going to be asking this question for until one way or another. But if he's not the quarterback of that team on March 18th, he's not the quarterback of that team. So let's call it on January 7th. Is he the quarterback of that team? New England or San Diego? New England? You tell me. I would lean towards I would lean towards San Diego or towards LA, I guess. You mean Los Angeles? Um, Los Angeles. There is no San Diego. A, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a better team. They're going they're going to I think Rivers is the quarterback to get them there at this point. Anthony Lynn is a pretty likable coach. L.A. is desperate to bring in people because they have no fan base there because the move was asked nine. So it, 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 does, it does it twofold. Number one, it gets people in seats. And number two, probably gives you a better chance to win. So I would lean towards him. I would lean towards L.A. Well, you know, I've been playing this game from the very beginning. I thought he this was his last year. I thought he'd right. wind you up in San, San Francisco. I did. I, I, I'm the first person to think that he wound up in San Francisco, but L.A. is not that far. <laughs> I definitely think that he's gone. I think this is it. I think he put that, that clause in his contract so he can leave if he's going to go anywhere. And it will be very surprising if he does but I think he wants to be gone. I, th- I think Belichick doesn't want him anymore. Like, you're not hearing, you're hearing Robert Kraft say, I want this guy, this guy is family. He'll be back. We want him back. But you haven't heard Bill Belichick say that. Yeah, but you've, never heard Bill, you've never heard Bill Belichick say that about anybody. Right, but you've never That's heard Robert Kraft right. say it about anybody. But you've never yes, seen, you you've never heard the owner interject himself into it. And here you are, an owner saying he's family, but you're not hearing the coach say we want the guy back. No. Question is, with the team that you have, is Brady going to get you a title with that with this team? No. No. They got to get some so offense. They got to get some more offense. Okay. I agree. So, 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 all right. So, I know time is short. Let's – so, the, the Major League Baseball ballot, the Hall of Fame ballot, was released uh, – well, will be announced, I believe, it's this week. So, let me, give, let me give you the players, and you tell me you got – you can pick up to 10 – Tell me if they're a yes or a no for you. Kurt Schilling. (laughs) 
Yes, because I'm not a journalist. Roger Clemens. Oh, wait a minute. I want to hear what yours are as well. You're more of a baseball guy than I am. Oh, um, yes. Kurt Schilling, yes. Roger Clemens. Uh, I guess it's going to be yes. I say no. Barry Bonds. Oh, if you're putting in Clemens, you're putting in Bonds. So, and I'm not putting in either, either one. Larry, Wa- Larry Walker. Yes. Okay, I am not putting in Walker. You know, it's surprising. From the guy that is is the small Hall of Fame to me, I have one in year four. Omar Vizquel. Well, no. Well, the, the difference is you're not voting on Bonds and Clemens based on talent. You're you're voting on it based on the P, on, on the PED. Hundred percent, not disagreeing with you. Okay, I'm not voting for a scale either. Manny Ramirez. No. Me neither. Jeff Kent. No. Scott Rowland. No. Billy Wagner. No. Todd Helton. No. Gary Sheffield. I don't think so, but I'd have to take a look back at some of his stats. All right, so here's your surprise. I'm voting for Sheffield. 100%. Sheffield was phenomenal. Um, Andy Pettit. No. Which is surprising for me to you. I, I'm 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 rather surprised. Uh, Sammy Sosa. I just don't think he was good enough. It's not an out. It's not the PEDs. I just just pretty much by voting well, in Clemens, by saying I'm voting for Clemens and Bonds, and I'm going to go back and forth on this over the years. I'm just I'm pretty much negating the PEDs. I just don't think right, that so, was a good enough picture. All right, so I'm going to give you some stats here. Andy Pettit won 256 games. Kurt Schilling won 216. Andy Pettit had a 3.85 ERA. Schilling had a 3.46 ERA. The one place where they really are different is the whip. Pettit had a 1.35. Schilling had a 1.17. Now, Schilling has the the sock. But Andy Pettit was one of the best postseason performers ever. Andy yes. Pettit in the postseason went 19 and 11, and I think he won four four World Series. So I'm not saying you should change your vote. I'm just saying Pettit's a little closer to Schilling than you probably realize. Okay. Andrew Jones. No. Derek Jeter. Okay, silence is golden. Does Derek Jeter make I, it unanimously? Uh, he should be. I don't believe he will. And I, are you boarding? Okay, hold on a second. Sorry, right, they're moving. So I'm going to go through the rest. All right. 
Well, then we'll say goodbye because we got five minutes to go. So, okay. Seth, thanks for calling in. We will talk right. to you next I'll week. Next week. Bye. See you, bud. All right, so we're going to finish the the Hall of Fame balloting. So Seth has Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, Walker. I have Schilling and Sheffield. We both have Jeter going in. Abreu is a really good player, but just not there. Giambi, Cliff Lee, who was phenomenal for a very short period of time. Rafael Fercal, Eric Chavez. And they go on and on and on. There are a bunch of first-timers, including Alfonso Soriano, who had better stats than you think. Uh, Alfonso Soriano hit 412 home runs in his career and stole 289 bases. Problem is, the man just did not walk. An on-base percentage, uh, an OBP of 319. Slugging percentage of 500, though. So he definitely was able, once he put the bat on the ball, this guy was phenomenal. Okay, so we have two minutes left. Thanks so much, Zach. Thanks so much, Seth, for calling in. Able to get through the hour without too much trouble. Uh, I'm going to need a glass of water when we're done, but that's just the way it works. So if you haven't, uh, last two minutes. So the NFL has had their top 100, and the athletic written by Joe Pazanski, has had their top 100 of MLB. And I think they're up to about 85 right now. And there are some guys like Satahara O and Kid Nichols, Tony Gwynn, Larry Walker, Ichiro. Guys, you are learning, I am learning, and I assume you will too if you read these stories. Roy Campanella was one today. Look, I'm one of those guys that thought Campanella was cut off in his prime. He wasn't. He was cut off the year after his prime ended. You learn, I thought when I was a kid, I would make a virtual Hall of Fame. And my friend Jeremy Friedman and I would sit, sat at desks and we wrote about Hall of Famers with those little postcards that had all the plaques. Pazanski is doing it in such a great way. Um, we've had Pazanski on once before. This is like five or six years ago. I'm going to reach out, and hopefully we can get Joe back on the show. He is a tremendous interviewer and such a fantastic writer. He is worth the subscription price to The Athletic. You know me. I don't publicize and don't push people to read certain things. I, I, there are three or four that I absolutely push, but overall I'm very judicious with who I push. Peter King, Mike Florio, amazing football writers, and you have Joe Pazanski, Buster Ohm, and Keith Law. Law has just moved over, by the way, to The Athletic. More time to read The Athletic. Anyway, for Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back next week. Zach, call back in. We'll see if you're right next week. Have a great week, everybody. Stay warm up in the Northeast. I'm chilling down here.